Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Russell Life Radio. This is episode 91, Pandemic Edition. That's a that's cue for you guys to freak out, to panic. Oh, really? <laughs> you get to that it? I, I thought, I thought we're quarantined. <laughs> yeah, now that my ears are bleeding. Uh, my You're welcome, everyone listening in your car. Cutteral screen. Matt's going to love editing that. Yeah, you definitely bring that volume down a little bit. Yeah. So, yes, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, uh, it means you're still alive. And you know that we have a pandemic that's going on right now in the world, in every corner of the world. And uh, But you know what? We're still here to do our job. We're going to give you an AEW Dynamite review. We're going to give you a SmackDown review and a Raw review because we don't cut corners. But uh, we're going to start out, actually, by talking about the uh, this pandemic issue uh, and how it relates to WWE and AEW. Uh, so, Micah, tell us how AEW is addressing this issue of uh, their their shows and all that. They're pretty much just doing empty arena shows, right? Yeah, basically, AEW is doing closed shows, and uh, they were initially planning on having fans. They moved all their shows to the Daily's Place in Jacksonville, which is actually owned by the Khan family. Right. Um, so they've canceled all the shows up until I think it's April 15th. They're creeping up on my new Orleans show. I hope they don't cancel it, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I'm pretty sure it's going to get canceled. Well, I'm supposed to go to Disney the first weekend of April. So yeah, that's not happening either. <laughs> uh, you okay. know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound entirely, you know, it could be worse, you know, we're all healthy. Yeah. So that, that's good. But, um, yeah, it's, it's being, in, I'm assuming in front of an empty stadium, uh, I would really enjoy if maybe they had the roster in the crowd. I think that'd be really cool to see like Jericho or MJF heckle during the match. Um, I think it would just be a little creative thing to do. I understand you don't want to bring everybody together still. Um, right. You don't want people to get uh, close together. You know, maybe well, have like 10, 12 people out there and separate them across the, the ringside. I think that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they would do that since, especially in WWE, since the performance center is so small, like I knew it was a really intimate place. And I kind of thought like, It'd be pretty cool if they put some people. They actually do that for uh, NXT, like when they have, uh, you know, their mock matches or stuff. Or like they, I think I've seen them do that before, where they, like the students will go in and have a match like normal, but the other wrestlers that are there in the performance center will go on the, you know, on the outside, either around the ring or actually in the crowd, and they'll like, you know, give they'll be the audience. So I kind of was hoping for something like that with WWE. So we'll wait and see because they haven't actually AEW hasn't done a. Uh, an empty arena show yet this this week's dynamite will be the first one that's like completely empty arena so yeah. uh, and daily's place is an interesting venue as it is so it'll be it'll be cool to see that um i actually like the performance center as a venue i prefer it over full cell when nxt actually records there um i, I like different arenas i think that's really good 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 change of pace every once in a while but uh, yeah. yeah it's it, it'll be interesting to see how AEW handles it um, obviously we're going to get into how D- WWE has handled it in this episode, but this will be this episode we are reviewing this week will be the last episode with a live studio audience for quite some time. It appears. Yeah. And then, uh, definitely for us as well, this is the, uh, last time we'll have a live studio audience. So, um, yeah, WWE, they, they've, so they've, they've done SmackDown this week was the first show that they did with, a uh, empty, well, they were supposed to do it, I believe in Detroit, um, and then they ended up moving it to the performance center uh, amid the NBA canceling uh, in 
MLB, NHL, like all these other major sports companies canceling their shows um, and their seasons, you know, in some aspects. So this was their first show, and I I think they got a big ratings bump. I don't remember the. I know Raw got a huge rating this week because people were just interested interested to see like what was just going to happen because to get that stone cold. Weird. Yeah, I mean, well, everybody's at home because you know. Yeah, they're waiting for Stone Cold Steve Austin at the moment, but. That's true. That's yeah. So that's part of it as well. Um, so yeah, but so going into SmackDown, it was definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the actual review of the show, but just as far as how WWE's handled it, I don't know. Like they just, I'm not too positive on it right now. Uh, they're just, especially Raw. I mean, like I said, we'll get into it, but it was weird. But I guess really the big story is WrestleMania because. They clearly moved SmackDown and Raw at the Performance Center. Um, the shows are what they are, but they held out for the longest time. And I was getting frustrated. Um, I mean, we were talking about it in our uh, group chat that, you know, I mean, the state of Florida was about to get involved saying that, you know, WWE better cancel it or we're going to. And then it was like a matter of, well, is WWE holding out because of their insurance money? Like, are they trying to win something here by not saying it? Yeah. But I mean, in the meantime... People are like being held up by, I mean, I, I mean, obviously people from overseas who are planning on coming, there's a travel ban now, so they're not going to be able to come. So I'm sure they already canceled their plans, but mm-hmm. I mean, people across the country, I mean, people out West, people up North, they were, you know, probably had plane tickets and hotel tickets and all this other stuff going on and their plans are being held up because WWE can't make up their minds and they're waiting to the last minute to make this decision. So, yeah. and Mike, didn't I, you say you know somebody? I personally know, I think, two people that have thousands of dollars wrapped up in this. I mean, they've got tickets for them, tickets for their friends they're bringing with them. They've got hotels. They've got takeover tickets as well um, yeah. to the, the, wow. during the same weekend. And it's, it's a real shame that they did wait as long as they did because they WWE knew they had to have known for at, at least a week and a half in advance that, hey, this is going to ruin WrestleMania's plans, all right? But I think they're really holding out because if they cancel it, of course, you know, insurance companies work differently and, uh, and all that. So they would, wouldn't have gotten maybe some of the benefits they did. Um, or just Vince McMahon was being hard-headed. I don't know. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a hard decision because either way, people, I think, would have thrown stones. If they would have went ahead with it, that would have been terrible PR, terrible press. Yeah. I don't think they could have physically done it. The, the government would have stepped in. Because uh, they were expecting, I think, seventy or eighty thousand people together. That just it's no no go. So yeah, they would have been canceled either way. So they they should, definitely should have called it off sooner and given their fans a little bit more time to, or even postponed it. I think that would have been the best decision. But again, we don't know what time frame we're looking at. Uh, I know the president has said, I think it was today, this may go on until July or August, um, as far as like sporting yep. events and all these closings and concerts and all that. Yeah. So. Rain, did you know anybody that was, or were you planning on going to WrestleMania at all this year? No, I actually don't know anyone, and I wasn't planning on going to WrestleMania, but I actually thought that they canceled it, um, or not canceled, but they relocated it like way too late. But at the same time, I guess because this is their yeah. biggest moneymaker, they tried to wait last minute to see if things would change. But then again, you know, they started selling tickets last year, and people have made plans since last yeah, year I, to I go know, to like, WrestleMania. I'm guessing they 
I guess they wanted the fans to. It's WrestleMania, so I mean, it's. But I'm kind of on, you know with Mike here. I think they should have just postponed it. It would have been the easiest thing. Uh, I guess it depends on you know what the schedule is for the uh, the arena in Tampa Bay. Like if they had something booked, but I mean, come on, a, a lot of people are but moving it back. I, I guess if you do that you got- though, like how will it work storyline wise? Because you're going to keep dragging right. the storyline if, if you're going to postpone it. Well, unless they can do it, they can have like, the like a pay per view or something to replace it for now. Yeah, I, but here's the thing: I, I would agree with you if if they had good stories going on, and we'll get into that in the reviews because I definitely mm-hmm. have my opinions. But a lot of these stories are so last minute thrown together, like. Goldberg, Roman Reigns, John mm-hmm. Cena, and Bray Wyatt, even Becky and Shayna, really, because they've kind of been held up until just now. So, I mean, it would really mm-hmm. probably do it would benefit all the stories because they could carry them on, knowing that they're set, just carry them on even further. I mean, it might make them a little bit better and force them to, you know, have more long term booking because you know they don't do much of that nowadays. But uh, I was just more frustrated with not necessarily. I understand that they want to carry on the event. It's a big event. It's, you know, their biggest event of the year. I mean, there's superstars who want to be there. There's fans that want to be there. I get that part. But at the same time, I mean, you got a nation that's, you know, trying to, you know, implement measures to kind of contain this, this virus that's going on. These other major sports companies are setting an example. They're closing their doors. They're, you know, suspending their seasons. They're taking these extreme measures and for, you know, for justified reasons. And, here WWE is just holding things up and not just, not just WrestleMania SmackDown. It took them forever for them to just move it to the uh, performance center. It was like what two two days before or three days before. Well, and not just that they actually had, uh, I think they had told the superstars that they were probably going to move it to the performance center, but they didn't uh, like formally announce it. And then news got out like some news outlet put that they were going to move it. But WWE wouldn't confirm it, and so the superstars were just confused. They didn't even know if they were going to do it. And like Xavier Woods just posted on Twitter, and he was like, "So are we doing this at the Performance Center or what?" Like, I just don't get there. They have to hold everything up and just wait. And I don't know. Like it's it's just been frustrating to see how they've handled this from SmackDown to Raw to the WWE thing. I mean, they've handled this poorly, and it doesn't make much sense either because XFL immediately canceled their season and they've actually got more stake than <laughs> WWE because they're, you know, uh, they're trying to get their company off the ground. Their first season. To, yeah. Well, yeah, they're trying to keep with the NFL, you know, they're trying to redo this and they've got some money in the bank that Vince planned on, you know, having some issues, but I mean, WWE has got money in the bank too. They're not struggling right now. Um, at least money wise. So yeah, I just don't get it. Uh, I think it's been a bad move and they're just relocating it to the performance center. Um, so that's what they ended up doing. Um, so now instead of postponing it or trying to have it somewhere else later down the line, um, they're just going to have WrestleMania at the performance center. And yeah, my, uh, my, you thought this boy SmackDown and Raw are weird. I can't imagine what this show is going to be like. I can only, there's only one thing I think they can salvage this. And I think it would be to pre-record it and just make it really high production value, make it more like a TV show than a live wrestling event. Sure. And honestly, I don't know if WWE is, is, is creative enough for, for, for that. Um, you remember like the final deletion, like the Hardy stuff, 
I remember yeah. how high quality all that stuff was. It was obviously pre-recorded. Right. Um, it, it, it was iffy on on the, some story stuff, but the actual recording and production value of it, I thought was really high quality. If they could do some stuff like that, like if they had John Cena versus The Fiend, but it was shot like a horror movie, that could be really cool and it would be really interesting. But if they're just going to put John Cena and The Fiend in a match with no audience, it's going to be a bit weird. Um, also, you're going to be able to hear John Cena calling out every movie does. <laughs> well, you so. can hear that anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, I think we should probably move on into the reviews. I think yeah, we yeah. Enough. But yeah, uh, yeah it, 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 it's, it's, it's obviously momentous. It's it's the first time anything like this has ever happened. Yeah, and it's a it is a big moment. It's it's this week in wrestling history. This week in the world history. It's it's a big event. So uh, yeah. that's, that's why I want to take a little bit of time on it. But you're right. Let's get into AEW uh, the last week of Dynamite show. Um, so yeah, Mike, take it away. Yeah, this is the the final final crowd of uh, AEW, perhaps for the year. But probably not. Yeah, uh, we, we have a whole year. Yeah, we'll we'll probably uh, probably see a couple months out of this. Hopefully before May six, but I doubt it. Uh, the show kicks off with a, a teaser. You know, the, the AEW is really good about hanging a carrot in front of your face um, and getting you to tune in, getting you to stay tuned in. Uh, right. They've been teasing for a couple weeks now. Obviously, Kenny got injured. That uh, Hangman Page is going to have a mystery partner against Jericho and uh, Sammy Guevara later in the show. So they start out with a little a segment with Hangman. He's standing there with the Young Bucks. Obviously, they've had some issues recently. And uh, he's being interviewed by the Diamond Daughter. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't know her name. She's Diamond Dallas Page's daughter. Lexi, right? Uh, Lexi Nair, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's interviewing Hangman. It's like, hey, you know, you need a, a, a teammate or a partner with, you know, some chemistry you got some history with. Would you consider Matt Jackson? He's like, no, I wouldn't consider Matt Jackson if he was the last person on earth. He did a little bit of a tease saying maybe he would pick Nick Jackson. Uh, but yeah, this just kind of furthered the feud a little bit. I thought it was a pretty good little little promo. Obviously, I think they were pushing Hangman a little bit to be the bad guy in this situation. But I think overall in the arc, I'm still on Hangman's side as the face of the the uh, disagreement between them and the Bucks. But uh, we are in the uh, majority. Yeah, everybody loves some, some cowboy stuff. <laughs> Uh, we, we go into the first match, which was Cody versus Ortiz. I thought this was an okay match. Um, it was just a good match. You know, it didn't have a lot of story or anything in it, but it was just a good match. Uh, there was a pretty cool spot where Santana was threatening Arn with this little baseball sock thing. And uh, Cody just dives out of the ring with a suicide dive for the save. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Ortiz tried to get to Cody. At that point, but uh, Cody got the suplex onto the entrance ramp, and that really turned the match in his favor. Uh, the finish was actually Cody getting Ortiz and the figure four uh, lock, the leg lock, uh, the Ric Flair famous move. Uh, he tried to flip it in a reverse, but Cody flipped it back, and he won via submission, which I think is pretty cool because they've been teasing, uh, or not teasing, but they've been saying that Arn is you know, his coach. He comes out with his little, as Kyle says, Waffle House menu out there with the plays and everything on it. Oh, yeah. uh, I think this is kind of cool. All the years that Arn Anderson spent with Flair, obviously, you know, maybe he's passing some of that information on to Cody and he wins with a figure four. So yeah, I thought that was, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Very appropriate. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, after that, we have an interesting segment. Uh, after the match, Santana is attacking Cody with the baseball sock. 
and uh, Orange trying to protect him until the cavalry comes in. Of course, Matt and Kenny come in. He uh, ran off Santana and Ortiz, but then Jericho appeared on the Jumbotron. Uh, he was there with Jake Hager and Sammy Guevara, and he warned the elite to not forget that the entire AEW roster has been put on notice, that the inner circle is going to beat down everybody on the roster, starting with the elite at Blood and Guts. And this time, they're starting with Nick Jackson. And the camera pans down to reveal that Nick Jackson has been killed by a steel garage door. They tried and to decapitate him. They tried to understand. They tried to kappa his detate. It was hilarious. He's <laughs> he's sitting there. It's like I know it's supposed to be like violent, but like Nick Jackson to me and like a lot of his mundane things are just hilarious. The, the his he's he's laying there and like blood is like coming out of his mouth like a zombie. He's just limp like a like a puppet. It's just it was crazy. It wasn't too over the top, but it was it was pretty funny to me. Um, obviously, I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they're always a little bit goofy with things like this, but yeah, they uh, they definitely this this obviously is a write off for Nick. Um, his wife is was very pregnant, like nine months pregnant on the last show, and he had said that you know he's going to have to be taking some time off. So this is their way to write him off. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be back for Blood and Guts. We don't even really know if Blood and Guts is still happening on the same date it was supposed to. Uh, yeah, definitely. Was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen April 15th, I think, in Rochester. And that's definitely not. No, yeah. it's it's no, it's two weeks from now. It's, yeah, there's um, no way it's going to happen. Uh, April, April, yeah. April 1st or April 8th. So two to three weeks. No way it's happening in, Especially in Rochester. But they're still teasing it like it's going to happen in a closed set. So we'll see. I don't think they would waste it on something like that. But hey, you know. Tony Khan has said that he's had this one year of booking laid out. Maybe he doesn't want to throw a wrench into it. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Nick's taken to the hospital on a stretcher. Uh, Matt and Cody are following him in a car. And that was presumably, that presumably with his head in a box. <clears throat> yeah. For real. Yeah. Presumably for the rest of the show. Um, after that, we come back from commercial and Dustin Rhodes is sitting there, or standing there, with Lexi Nair. I know her name now. And uh, he's now in full gear and face paint and everything. And he said that he's declaring that he's going to be Hangman's partner. And he didn't care if Hangman liked it or not. Because he was tired of the inner circle running roughshod on the entire AEW roster and on his family and his friends. And him and Hangman are going to get together and do some cowboy stuff. I thought that was pretty good. I did. Uh, I did hear that uh, Miss Lexi Nair, I guess, doing her best impression of a WWE uh, backstage person, asked a really dumb question. Yeah. She asked uh, why Dustin was in his gear and in his face paint. Yeah, she's like, well, I know we saw. You. She, she was like explaining. It's it's kind of like that uh, subreddit explained like I'm five. She was explaining to the audience like they were five. I mean, it's kind of insulting to your intelligence. She's like, we know we saw you earlier and you were in street clothes, but now you're in full gear and face paint. What do you have planned? Well, he's going to go into the ring, you idiot. <laughs> I yep. mean, obviously. AEW uh, not known for doing – usually their announcers ask really good questions. And even Lexi, she's, she's asked good questions from time to time. I, I'm just – I'm going to give it up to her doing her impression, as I said, of a WWE backstage person because uh, this was – once in a while, I guess, when they finally do something like this. But 
normally it's WWE that's got all these dumb questions being asked. Yeah, definitely true. Uh, yeah, so he's Hangman's partner. All this build up, and we expected it to be. Oh, I, I got to go back. I got to go back. We expected it to be, you know, Lance Archer. Obviously not, but someone like that. One a new debut from one of the many yeah. expected. A Matt Hardy, maybe a Luke Harper. Matt Hardy, Luke Harper. Uh, but actually, in this uh, Cody and Ortiz match, I, lo- I looked over. Um, Lance Archer came out of the ring, well, at ringside with Jake the Snake, and that was his debut. He just walked out with Jake the Snake, and it said, "Hey, yeah. that's Lance Archer." And then we moved on. Yeah, a little bit lackluster, but um... uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was as bad as the the BBB's debut, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I guess every debut doesn't have to be this grandiose display, but. It was just weird to me. I didn't really like that. He didn't fall, so he's way ahead of the Shockmaster. It could be worse. True. He didn't come through with his uh, rhinestone stormtrooper helmet. Yeah. So, yeah, Dustin Rhodes is Hangman's mystery partner. Uh, mystery solved. Uh, after that, they came. They, they had a little sidebar where they announced the rules for Blood and Guts. Uh, it's the same as you've seen before. It's War Games. We move yep. on. Uh, they had a sit-down interview with John Moxley. It was Jim Ross and John Moxley in, presumably, John Moxley's house. Uh, he basically called out Jake Hager as his next opponent and called out the inner circle saying that, uh, you know, they, they're focused so much on the elite now and they got blood and guts coming up. They're not going to notice John Moxley coming up in their blind side and he's ready for him. So thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a pretty good interview. Jim Ross has a really good job with these sit-down interviews, and uh, I haven't seen a bad one yet. Uh, so, always, yeah, always d- definitely playing off the. Uh, uh, I like his use of the blindside thing because it's mm-hmm. obviously playing off of his eye thing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, he had a blindside for a while. Yeah, and also Santana doesn't have his patch anymore. I guess they moved on from that as well. Uh, yeah. He healed about the same time Moxley did. Yeah. And also with with Nick Jackson being taken out, if they do blood and guts in the same time span, they're talking. If Nick Jackson is still out, maybe Moxley is the final member of the elite in the cage. Ooh, that'd be cool. That would be a little bit of a a good good surprise. Um, So, yeah, that would definitely be interesting. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm missing a match here. Did I? Did I miss something? Oh, yeah, definitely missed like. I missed like two matches. Uh, we had <laughs> we had Nyla Rose and B Priestley versus Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Uh, B Priestley has obviously been on a bit of a hiatus. I know she moved to Japan recently. Uh, she's a fan favorite among a lot of AEW fans in the women's division. Uh, she has a different look now. She's came came back with uh, brown hair and a little less goth look to her. Um, new new gear. Uh, she did very good throughout this match. This was one of the better matches I've seen from AEW's uh, tag team mashups they've done. They never really have much of a story to them. They're just kind of put together so they can have women on the show, it seems, which I don't like right. that. Uh, they're pushing a little bit towards some more women's stories, but it's not the most well put together uh, cohesive story as I would like it. Right. Uh, we saw a new chant, which is pretty cool. People were chanting, Holy Shida for Hikaru Shida. She's one of my favorites, so I'm glad to see that going over. She's she's probably the most over face in the women's division right now. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine the long term plan is to, for her to go up against Nyla at some point. Yeah, but uh, I think I think I guess B is going to be the short like the next opponent, but I think Sheeta's going to be there in the long run. Yeah, unfortunately, 
She was the one that ate the pin in this match. She sure was. Nyla Rose hit her with a beast bomb. And, uh, yeah, she has a lot of momentum going for her. I hope they don't bury her. I don't think they will, but it, it wasn't ideal for her to take the pin in this situation. Uh, but after the match, we had the direction that I think the story is going, where B Priestley turned on Nyla Rose, her partner, and stomped her and took her belt. So... I guess next we're getting B Priestley versus Nyla Rose. Yeah. So that, that'll be good. I mean, B Priestley's talented. And uh, again, it adds some story to the women's division other than just throwing together matches. So yep. that, that's pretty good. Uh, we had a... Man, my notes I feel like are just completely jumbled here. Oh, God, not, your notes have the virus. They do. They've gotten the virus. <laughs> it's infected the computer. First Zencaster uh, got the virus. Now Micah's yeah. notes. <laughs> it's got a it's got a it's got a it's mild over. fever. It's got a mild fever and a dry cough, but it's spreading, so watch out. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Christopher Daniels had a uh, really cool promo where he basically was ripping off the join the Dark Order uh, segment. He's dressed up in the turtleneck getup of the Dark Order uh, salesman, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And yeah, he basically made a commercial just mocking the Dark Order. Instead of saying, join the Dark Order, he said, Dark Order sucks. And he also called out the Exalted One, saying, hey, I'm challenging uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson for one-on-one matches, and I'm going to prove when no one comes to help you, there is no Exalted One. So, we'll see. There is, and I'm pretty sure it's Matt Hardy, so... Well, the funny thing is, so that quickly they uh, they actually had Grayson and Daniels on uh, the next, I guess, the upcoming episode of Dark, mm-hmm. where Daniels wins and nothing happens. Uh, spoiler alert! Um, and then apparently they're going to have the Evil Uno match, and Daniels was at least supposed to happen on this week's Dynamite. We'll see if it actually happens. Uh, and I guess the, or maybe they're supposed to have it in. When they had the uh, blood and guts match, well, they're advertising sure. all over their social media that the exalted one will be revealed this Wednesday. Okay, so yeah. So I don't know how they work the story in. Well, and so some people were speculating as well that it might be Luke Harper because uh, they're supposed to be in Rochester. Yeah, some, this was supposed to be his debut from. Yes, was, and then. that's that's his hometown. So that's what a lot of people think. We're thinking he. I mean, I. I would imagine he'd probably get a big baby face reaction if he did that. So I don't know if that's the best idea or if that's what they want, but uh, he's not going to get any reaction this week. So that's very true. So uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll wait and see, but uh, yeah. How did you feel about the, the, I mean, I heard it's pretty, uh, what's the, what's the term? Um, uh, Some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. The, the whole parody idea. Like what I like, Micah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I like the Dark Order vignettes. I haven't seen one yet that I've just been like, oh, gross. Um, like I did when I first saw Evil Uno without a shirt on. I guess Sorry, it's because Daniels was making fun of it. So maybe that's why people some didn't like it. I don't sure. know. I thought it was it's in character for Christopher Daniels. You know, these are yeah. people who have attacked him, attacked his friends, tried to get him to turn against him. And uh, yeah, it's perfectly in character for him to make fun of them. So right. I, don't know. I think it's, I thought it was good. Uh if people were still saying that Christopher Daniels might be the exalted one, and if it is, I think by now it would be bad storytelling. Uh, it would be a swerve for the sake of a swerve. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that's not it. Uh, we also had the Butcher, the Blade, and 
MJF versus Jurassic Jurassic yeah Jurassic Express. I'll get it out eventually. They're only <laughs> my favorite tag team, and uh, this was a good little three v three match. Uh, we had a couple of those. Uh, we had also had uh, the Triangulo de la Muerte, as I'm calling them, the Death Triangle. Right. I don't like the triangle. I think the Spanish version is better. So, oh yeah, uh, you, had, you had them versus uh, who was it, man? Uh, it was Private Party and Private Party and Joey Janela. That's right. That's right. Yeah, my least favorite tag team and my least favorite singles division <laughs> wrestler. So, don't care so much for that match. But yeah, the Butcher and the Blade and Jurassic Express was good. You got some hot spots with Luchasaurus and the Butcher. That was really good. Um, the Death Triangle won, by the way, if you were wondering. Yeah, Death Triangle won their match. I don't even really need to go over it. They won. Yeah. Uh, they they After the match, they locked. I'm the assuming best. they're going to have a trios title at some point because they've got a lot yeah, of trios they, teams. They've got a lot of trios going on. And I would love it because uh, that, uh, that was one thing of Lucha Underground I really liked was the trios matches they had. I mean, uh, Son of Havoc on Helico and Ivelisse as the trios tag champions were awesome on that show. So if they bring that to AEW, uh, it would be a dif- differentiator from WWE. Uh, I think it'd be an awesome division, especially with teams like Jurassic Express, who probably won't get as much time in the tag team division. So I'm all for it. I think they should introduce that. Um, Cody's teased a new title, hasn't he? I mean, maybe, that, yeah, maybe that's it. Be a, a new title, unlike what we've seen in the American market. So that would be a trios title yeah. or some people said an intergender title. So that would be interesting. But yeah, they they won the match. Best Friends and Orange Cassidy came out to chase them away. Obviously, that's their next uh, feud. And on the Jurassic Express match, uh, MJF managed to win with a submission, which I thought was good. Um, he, he's he been using the double cross, which is the crossroads. Right. Um, but I think in the Indies, he actually used the submission more, and that was called the, the Salt of the Earth. Um, I, I like that better as a finisher for him. I think a submission is more fitting for his character. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he obviously got it on Marco Stunt. Yeah, poor Marco. He's, he's the pin eater of the Jurassic Express. <laughs> the day that Luchasaurus gets pinned, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the actual meteor will strike. They will riot. Yeah, we will riot. Uh, there was Might also cause little... an extinction, a mass extinction of some sort. Yeah, for real. Uh, there was a little weird vignette from Darby Allen. Uh, Darby Allen is weird. He did weird Darby Allen things. He had uh, Sammy Guevara's face on a dude in a body bag. He dragged it around him with a truck. He was wearing a Jericho mask. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, Still a mute, I'm guessing. Yeah, pretty pretty much. There was no there were no words. It was just a little weird, like old timey black and white vignette. Uh, it's right. on it's on YouTube. If you want to watch, just like thirty seconds. You haven't missed anything. Uh, Britt Baker came out. She does her general uh, insulting the town gimmick. She came out and gave Tony some coffee. His name was misspelled, obviously. And, uh, yeah, she actually put a pretty good promo on. I thought towards the end she was dragging it out a bit. It seemed more like uh, the person who was supposed to come out didn't hit their cue. So uh, she was kind of repeating herself, and Big Swole actually came out. They got into a little scuffle. They had a pretty cool uh, exchange of words where – you know, Britt Baker was saying that Big Swole is not even the most important wrestler in her family, which is not true because she's married to Cedric Alexander. And as we all know, the WWE does not care about him, nor does anybody else, apparently. And she's, she, was, she was saying that her boyfriend is, is more important than, than her, basically, which is 
a lot of nerve coming from the person who dates Adam Cole. <laughs> That's all I got to say. So Big Swole comes back at her, and she says, I'm married, baby. Obviously referencing Adam Cole. It was a really cool line. Uh, the, the crowd obviously loved it. She Baker throws the hot coffee, hot in quotation mark, coffee, in Swole's face, and then quickly ran away, and I thought that was hilarious. Some real heel maneuvers. Uh, I thought it was pretty good promo. I think it's pretty funny she brought Tony some coffee because coffee is really bad for your teeth, and uh, she's a dentist. true. She's trying to get that money. She's got to get that teeth whitening service going on. That is true. But yeah, all right, let's let's see. What what I got left here in my notes? We got, I think it's just the the main event here. We've got... uh, Dustin and Hangman versus what I'm going to affectionately call Les Sex Gods, which is uh, obviously Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho, which they still reference as Le Champion. Uh, I think you need a new name there, Jericho. Uh, you're, you're a man known to switch gimmicks. I think it's time. You're not the champion anymore. So let's let's get to it. Uh, obviously, they've got the entire inner circle in tow, as they do, because they're heels, just like Cody is, by the way, for having an entire entourage in his opening match. Bringing it back. I'm all over the place this evening. I know. You'll get over it. The uh, In the in the opening match, you had uh, you had Cody coming out. I think you had Arn Anderson and Brandy with him. And still, Santana was able to pull off. He had 2v1, basically, in managers. And Santana was still able to pull off heel moves and distracting the ref and things like that. Thought that was dumb. Didn't like that. Okay, back to the main event. You have the Inner Circle versus Hangman and Dustin. Uh, Dustin came in and, uh, he was trying to get, start off the match. Hangman was having none of it. He was obviously unhappy with Dustin because he wanted to face Le Champion and Sammy Guevara on his own. He wanted to prove that he's good enough for the elite. I think that deep down, that's what he was going for. Uh, obviously he hasn't been the same since he lost to Chris Jericho at all out. And I think he wanted to prove that he could go man to man with Chris Jericho. And I think that's dumb. And he would have lost. So good thing that Dustin Rhodes came in. Uh, one of the, the highlights of the match for me was a tandem flying move from the good guys in the match. Uh, Dustin launched for the twisting crossbody to the sex gods. And Hangman went backwards with a moonsault onto the inner circle, the entirety of the inner circle. It was one of those moves where they kind of all stand together and wait for it to happen. That happens a lot in AEW, and I don't really like that. But it's still good wrestling. I guess uh, the finish basically began when hangman's coming in and he just clobbered Jericho with a lariat. Dutton, Dustin flattens Sammy with a Canadian destroyer and uh, Sammy just walked right into the buckshot lariat and hangman pinned Sammy for the win. So I like that hangman still comes off this looking strong. Yeah. I they're pushing this cowboy guy. They're, uh, they're liking him a lot, which yeah, I, it's very refreshing nowadays because you don't yeah, you don't see many people true. in in WWE world getting pushes like this. So yeah, it's amazing when the fans like somebody they get pushed, yeah, and they don't get pushed out of the elimination chamber, like Otis. R.I.P. Otis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that Hangman was kept strong in this match. I really thought that Dustin would probably take the pin and it would lead into a little bit of a downward spiral from Hangman. Uh, but yeah, no, we uh, we got a. Got another win from Hangman. I don't really know where they go from here, but keeping it unpredictable, I guess. Uh, after the match, <laughs> obviously, 
everything broke loose as they do tend to do in AEW. There was a brawl broken out in the ring. Uh, the inner circle pounce Hangman and Dustin. Kenny Omega runs in uh, with his broken hand. Uh, it's a bad idea. He gets taken out pretty quick. He gets taken out with a Judas effect. Uh, Cody, I guess, back in the hospital now. He only visited his friend, I guess, in time for him to finish the paperwork and then drove back. I don't know. I would like it better if Cody just never showed up. Well, he's got to make sure his company is run right, you know. I guess so, but his friend is literally dead. <laughs> so there's 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 other people there. There's there's uh, there's Tony Khan. He he owns it. He can take care of it. Yeah, he obviously didn't didn't make a dent either. Uh, Ortiz super suplexed him onto the ramp as payback for earlier in the the show and in their match. Uh, Hangman was taken to the top of the stage for that gimmick part of the ring where they always do the triple power bomb, and out comes Matt Jackson, who apparently just left his brother at the hospital. I don't know. He comes back and he runs a super kick party on everyone. So one v five, he takes out the inner circle and he saves Hangman in the process. Uh, Hangman and Matt kind of lock eyes there, and uh, hearkening back to a couple weeks ago when Hangman saved Matt, Matt flips Hangman the bird. So obviously the elite is kind of at a bit of loss of focus here, and yeah, uh, Jericho comes up with a chair, and I don't think Matt got his hands up, so he basically just did a chair shot to the head to Matt Jackson. If he did, it was very quick. It was a very well done chair shot. He actually hit the camera during the chair shot, which was interesting. Uh, the entire inner circle is now regaining control because Jericho has a chair and yeah, they just sit there. He, he lays a chair out on top of Matt Jackson. They all stand together, pose to the camera and flip it off. And yeah, that was, that was the end. That was the setup for, for next week's AEW and the setup for a hype, uh, going forward for blood and guts. It was an interesting episode. Um, I think I gave last week's episode a B plus. And I don't know that I enjoyed this episode more than last week's. Um, it's not a bad episode, but I don't know. I just, there were some things I didn't, didn't like with it. I think I'd probably give it a B, which is probably the bottom tier for the ratings I've given AEW. Still not a bad show, though. Don't get me wrong. It's just I'm expecting a higher caliber of show. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a bit, uh, maybe I'm a bit pampered to a bit spoiled yeah a bit spoiled to aew's uh <laughs> caliber of show they've been putting on so yeah i'd probably get the show a b uh, still not my least favorite show the my least favorite show remains the thanksgiving show didn't like that one uh yeah it was it was it was okay and i'm interested to see how they move forward with no crowd it'll be very interesting hope you and en- hope you all enjoyed this show because it may be a bit different come wednesday yeah I have a feeling, just my personal opinion, that they will probably make it a little bit more fun than the WWE attempt was this week, but we will get into that right now, and since I'm a terrible host and not used to doing this, I completely forgot to introduce Rain, who's joining us this week. Uh, She's actually going to do our SmackDown review. Uh, I actually normally do it, and Matt does Raw, but since John Cena was on the show, she wanted to do it because she's a big John Cena fan, so I'm more than happy to let you take it, Rain. Uh... Rain from What If, WWE What If, uh, on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, So, yeah, take it away, Rain. What happened on SmackDown this week? 
Yeah, so for SmackDown, by the way, it was on Friday the 13th. Um, oh, yeah, for us. So a lot of crazy things have been going on. And obviously on this day, uh, this is when we finally see SmackDown, or at least a WWE show without any fans. Right. Um, first, I thought like seeing Triple H opening the show and you know him talking about you know what's been happening and why they're starting or they're having a show at the Performance Center. I thought that was really nice to acknowledge that hey, you know, a lot of things are going on in the world right now, but hey, we're still going to put up a show for all of you. Yeah, he did a good so, introduction. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. Um, I think it was also cool in the sense that they had those chairs set up, even though you can't see anyone out there. Right. Um, I don't know. I just felt like it would be more weird if if there's no chairs at all. Because yeah, I think it would look more like they're just rehearsing. Yeah, there's supposed to be people there, but they're not. So, yeah. I agree. <laughs> but, um, so... The first match of the night was uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, but before all that, Triple H ended up joining Michael Cole to do commentary because they were saying that they're kind of, you know, shortened people. And I'm assuming um, the people that are missing, uh, for example, Corey Graves, they're probably stuck somewhere and couldn't fly into uh, Florida or Orlando to do the right. show. But um, Sasha addressed that even if there's no fans, they would still be the face of Friday Night SmackDown, which to me, I was like, okay, well, at first when I heard that, well, I thought she didn't really like the fans anyway. So what does it matter if <laughs> there's no fans? <laughs> true. Very true. But, um, Bailey also asked Triple H about Paige, who was scheduled to meet her uh, on Friday, but Michael Cole said that she had travel issues. So Alexa interrupts about wanting to challenge the Kabuki Warriors for the women's tag team titles, but since she hasn't heard anything back from Asuka or Kyrie Sane, her and Nikki Cross figured they would just fight Sasha and Bailey. So at first, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross had controlled the match, but I thought the crossbody from the steel steel steps by Nikki to Sasha was good, followed by Alexa kicking Bailey into the table. And then coming back from commercial break, the roles have been reversed. And then Sasha and Bailey are now in control, but Alexa was able to get in some offense. And then a couple of slaps in Sasha's face. I think I, I like that Alexa does that, but at the same time, I feel like she needs to kind of not overuse it in a sense. Because I, I think she can, she has other moves that she can use. Oh, and yeah, I just definitely. don't want her, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want her to be stuck or to be known just for, for that. I think yeah. there's a difference between Ric Flair's chops and, and her slaps. I think it's not on that level, I guess, yet. No. I won't say it uh, that level. Yeah. Alexa's slaps are nothing compared to Ric Flair's chops. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I so totally I totally agree with that. To just get stuck to just doing that. Although right. it, it, it kind of adds to i guess her um i guess it, it becomes her trademark in a sense because uh, right. she does those few steps and then does a slap you know that's like i guess vintage alexa bliss right. so alexa ends up hitting her head in a turnbuckle and i i seems like that got her all shaken up and then so it becomes bailey and sasha just 
kind of back and forth, you know, with the offense against Alexa. And then at some point, Nikki Cross gets tagged in, and then she does the work. But here comes Asuka causing a distraction. But while Asuka was causing this distraction, she uh, pushes uh, Alexa Bliss into the side of the ring. Bailey was complaining about her eye, so the referee was pretty much co- concentrated on um, Bailey. So yeah, the referee Oscar never saw does her little uh, her little dance, her little salsa her dance. Little the dance. I thought that was super funny, but um, we didn't see Kyrie Sane, so I'm wondering if Kyrie got stuck somewhere. Um, but I thought that that was actually the Kabuki Warriors responding to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of, I guess, of I guess I'll have a match at WrestleMania now. Yeah, that might be a match at WrestleMania. Um, so, in the end, Sasha Banks was able to pull the uh, bank statement on Nikki Cross, and then Bailey and Banks ended up getting the victory on this one. So, I thought that one that match was was good, given that this was kind of like a new environment for everyone, not just not just for the wrestlers. But also for us as viewers, because, um, you know, watching this whole thing in a new environment, no fans, no live audience, you can't really, I don't know, it, it's weird not hearing people from the arena. Yeah. And I thought that, that was actually good in a sense, given, given the situation. So that kind of made me feel like, okay, you know what? I'm going to continue watching the show. This doesn't look like crap for me. You know, they're kind of making, you know, making something out of nothing. Yeah, yeah it seems like they're so, trying to make the best out of the situation, really, with this show. Yeah, yeah. Um, although it's it's kind of like uh, trippy in a sense, but, but in a way, it, it, they're making it work. So... Yeah. When we come back from break, we have Roman Reigns speaking with Michael Cole about the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. Um, I agree with you guys that I thought this was just like one of those random, hey, random matches of like, we need someone to face the Universal Champion at WrestleMania. Who can we find that's fit to do this? Oh, Roman Reigns. Here we go. Um, So I thought that um, segment with uh, Roman Reigns was a good filler in a sense. Um, yeah. Also, it, my biggest minutes. issue with it was uh, Michael Cole started it, and he's like, "Roman, what a year you've had!" And then Roman you know, was like, "Yeah, it's been a crazy year." And I'm like, "You guys are in the performance center because we have a national pandemic, and you're going to mm-hmm. talk about Roman Reigns' year." Yeah, yeah I was just I was done with promo from the start. Times. What a crazy year! Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, he, he the story they're trying to play on that is that Roman Reigns is the full-time guy. He's been working hard all year, whether it's the main event of the small show or the main event of WrestleMania. And they talk about his critics again, which I was like, why would you even bring that up? And they are talking about Goldberg being the part-timer. Uh, it was a sports entertainment WrestleMania main event promo. I, I will say, say though, as far as this promo, I think it's the most compelling that Roman Reigns has came off to me that I've seen on his promos. Um, maybe it's because there's not an audience there and he doesn't have to cater to them as much. I don't know. But he hmm, seemed... Okay. That makes sense. He seemed... I don't know. He came off more real to me 
in this promo, even though the promo itself, the contents of it, I didn't, you know, care so much for. I think he came off better in this promo, if that makes any sense. It felt a little script. I mean, there were glimpses for sure. I mean, I liked when he openly mocked Goldberg for going to the University of Georgia, because obviously Roman Reigns went to Georgia Tech, played football there, so he had to get that dig in. But he like made the joke, and then immediately he's like, no, nah, but I respect Goldberg. And I was like, so you just went right back into your script. And, yeah, so it was okay, but... Yeah, I agree. Roman Reigns, he's he's gotten better at it, and it probably helped that you know a crowd's not booing him out of the building anymore. But yeah, could have been better. That's true. And honestly, like listening to his whole spiel, I thought it was kind of like the whole Goldberg is a part timer and Roman Reigns is a full time guy. I thought that's kind of the same spiel as when he would talk against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, it, it's kind of the same stuff. We're just talking about a different person. Well, I think you're on to something there, Rain. Right? <laughs> <laughs> same stuff, different person. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because I felt like that was his whole like thing before. Yeah, no, you're totally uh, right. Against Brock Lesnar, and then now here comes Goldberg, and that's his same um, spiel. And then here comes a part-timer guy who wants to show up and just have a title match. And you know what? I'm going to take that championship away from you. Yep. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen the same story for like three or four years now. So why change it? I guess. Maybe that's why this promo was actually good because he's been doing this over and over again. <laughs> that's right, that's <laughs> it. He's had so much practice. <laughs> yeah. Well, so from that, we move on to um, backstage. We see Kayla Braxton. Uh, she was set to have an interview, but the three clowns, I call them the three clowns, Cesaro, <laughs> Sami Zayn, and Shinsuke Nakamura interrupted her, but just briefly. But then after they left, here comes Jeff Hardy, uh, which, by the way, to all the Hardy Boys fans, here we go. Here's Jeff Hardy again. I don't know how long he's going to stay again, but, hey, he's back. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, <laughs> How long is his contract for? Do we know? I'm not know. sure. It, it was weird to me. I don't know if he re-signed. I have to look that up. I don't know if so. He, so his, obviously, his contract was the same time as Matt's, but because of his issues in his personal life, uh, when you're like, I guess when you're suspended, your that doesn't count towards your contract. Okay. So his has been pushed back, and honestly. I don't know how many times he's been suspended in the course of this contract. So we may have a couple more months of Jeff Hardy on WWE. Uh, I don't know. He, he did. Maybe this, this is the time that he's actually changed. Um, I'm pretty hard on the Usos for their, for their issues. Um, right. and I know Matt and Kyle agree with me. Uh, DUI is no joke to me and, and neither anybody in our family. So I, I think, I, I hope he's better now. I hope he actually has changed and doesn't have issues anymore. But we will see, and we'll see how they work him into storylines. Uh, I think Jeff Hardy is best when Jeff is working. So if they can keep him working, keep him in a storyline, I think that's probably his best, past, best, best path to help. I cannot talk tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and and staying healthy and in a good mindset. So. Hopefully we'll we'll get a, a good storyline or two from him uh, before either his contract runs up or he decides to maybe 
hang it up because he's in his late forties now too, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, I believe so as well. Like the nineties, right? He's got to be late thirties or forties. Yeah, yeah. That's what forty five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jeff is in his forties too. Yeah, but somehow Jeff's body seems to be doing better than Matt's. Don't know how because he's always been the crazy one. Uh, maybe he, maybe all the stuff he's done over the years is his secret. I don't know. Hey, McFoley kept it going for a while. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, he might be here for the long run now, you know. But I feel like every time they come back, I get all excited, and all of a sudden they just vanish. Yeah. I do. I'd be willing to bet we see Jeff Hardy and Impact in the next two years. <laughs> but um, I love that how Baron Corbin actually interrupted him during his interview, and he made references to, I guess, like a DUI test if you get pulled over. Um, yeah. I did not get this. Like when I first watched SmackDown, I did not get the reference at all, and then I rewatched it again. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's the whole, like, DUI test when, like, someone gets pulled over. I have a little bit of a problem with that. It is funny to me. Like, I find humor in things that shouldn't be humorous. But Mm. on the other hand, I don't know if it's great to make light of that on a national stage. was also the guy who uh, also said something like the week after Roman Reigns went home for leukemia treatment. So not really surprised it was Corbin. It's true. WWE even tried to get uh, Dean Ambrose to make jokes about Roman Reigns' chemo, and obviously he, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, because he has integrity. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was a little much. It was funny to me. I may make the same joke in a private conversation, but this is a national televised thing. You've got a lot of people watching, a lot of kids, a lot of impressionable people watching. Maybe don't make light of the fact the guy's got DUIs. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I know. Like as for me too, I kind of found it funny. Like when I finally got the joke, but some on the other hand, I was like, "Ooh, I don't know if that's something that you can." A little tongue in cheek for sure. Yeah, I don't know if every. So I, I find it funny, but I don't know if everybody should be like me. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, Elias interrupted this whole thing. Well, I guess after Jeff Hardy leaves, because um, because Baron Corbin interrupted Jeff Hardy during his interview, uh, Jeff Hardy told Corbin, "Hey, look, we're gonna have a match tonight. Great, so that's like a setter, pretty much for their match, or a yeah. setup for their match." Then here comes Elias, who attempted to play some music for Baron Corbin, which at this point I was actually glad he didn't do it. Because I am kind of getting tired of Elias just randomly showing up and playing music. Like, I know that's his gimmick, but it, it, it's the same with Alexa Bliss and the slaps and the face. Like, I with Elias, too. Like, you can utilize that gimmick in a, in a different way, which I thought it was nice that he didn't get to play any music during this um, interview. Yeah, I'm always glad when Elias doesn't get to play music. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to love later in the show. <laughs> but uh yeah so we come back from commercial break and then we see some pictures from the elimination chamber so it's it's nice to see that they actually talk about daniel bryan and drew gulak and their elimination chamber match oh actually not inside the elimination chamber but their match at the elimination chamber pay-per-view um right. because i thought it was impressive um it, 
Drew Gulak had an impressive match uh, because we don't know what to expect from him against Daniel Bryan. I thought he actually stood out, and I'm glad that they actually talked about that on a Friday Night SmackDown. So from there, we go backstage and we see Daniel Bryan asking, asking Gulak if he's available to teach him. And here comes, again, the three clowns, Zane, Cesaro, and Nakamura taunting Daniel Bryan about being with a nobody. And then this becomes a setup for a match between Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. Yep. And then from there, Michael Cole tosses to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match at the Elimination Chamber. So this is one of those um, content fillers that WWE had to do because they have wrestlers who are probably stuck somewhere. They couldn't fly to um, Orlando. They just play the entire tag team wrestling uh, Elimination Chamber match. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like you said, Rain, they're just filling up time here. Uh, I mean, I'm disappointed in it because I was like, I mean, just have some people go out and wrestle. Like you've got so many dudes just like doing run-ins and stuff. Like Elias could have wrestled somebody like right afterwards. Right. So they have all those guys there. Yeah. And they just, but nope, they just decided, Hey, let's show this match and take up time. So it was like what? 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it so, was like almost a chunk of the, of the show, show for sure. It's crazy. So they showed so that, and then we actually got the uh, Daniel Bryan Cesaro match after that. So mm-hmm. and the thing is, if you think about it, if um, going back to what you were saying earlier about um, Xavier Woods tweeting about, "Hey, do we go or no?" Um, yeah. Maybe they found out last minute and they weren't able to rehearse or plan a match. Um, you know, depending on who's there at the performance center, and they weren't confident enough to just, hey, you know what, you two, just go out there and get at it. Or just have Daniel and Drew as a tag team against Cesaro and Nakamura. I mean, they're a ringside, yeah. and just make the yeah, match that, longer. That's the thing, too, because, um, so I guess going to um, that tag team match, or not tag team, I mean, sorry, Cesaro yeah. versus Daniel Bryan, um, I thought that because it ended up being the duo versus the trio, they would just say, hey, you know what? Let's have Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak versus either Sami Zayn and Shinsuke or, well, probably Shinsuke and Cesaro. Like, that right. that's something. That's content right there. Yeah. So I don't know why they didn't go with that idea. Who knows? But, you know, what do we know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, so... After this whole Elimination Chamber match, we go back to the uh, Performance Center, and then we see The Miz and John Morrison. Um, They're inside the ring, and it looks like they watched the match from the whole match from from inside the ring. And then they talked about their achievements, and they gave us all a history lesson of what they've done, blah, blah, blah. And I love how they actually acknowledge that there's no one in there by asking people if they object on X, Y, and Z. Because no one would boo them at that point. Yeah, they're playing off the no crowd, for sure. It it was amazing, honestly, how well they were able to pull off working a crowd that wasn't there. I'm surprised Hunter didn't say anything, though, because they kept saying, if anybody 
has a problem with me saying this or something like that. And obviously they weren't expecting a response. I was kind of hoping Triple H would say something on the outside of the ring. <laughs> he, he definitely spent the whole night burying several people. So why not do it here? But he did not. He, he let them cut their promo. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I thought it was kind of funny the way they tried to yeah, play yeah. it off. They talked about, uh, you know, they, they bragged about their, their win, obviously. Miz talked about how great his movies were and that they were critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Basically bragging because, obviously, no crowd noise there to, you know, to rise up against them. So they definitely took advantage of it. I thought it was a good promo. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they should at least be more coordinated with their, I don't even know what you call it, but it's like they this whole chant that they have and trying to race the championships together. I think they still need to work on that because I think they're solid as a team. I actually like them together. It just seems like when it gets to sealing the deal in the end, it's like that, that, that exclamation point of like, Hey, let's raise our title belts together. It looks so awkward. <laughs> I thought it was funny that they were saying that they don't need to chant like new day rocks. And they went on to do their chant. Yeah. Made up to imitate new okay. day rocks. <laughs> Miz and Morrison. Hey, 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 hey. ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. So um, from there, we go to uh, Daniel Bryan versus uh, Cesar, which we already talked about. But uh, again, I was kind of disappointed that this whole thing did not turn into a tag team match later on. But maybe that I mean, would be I, there. I, it might. Yeah, like I, I see it happening. I mean, they've got a empty performance center to put shows on the next couple weeks. So we might see that next week. Yeah. They might be saving that for next week since they don't know what they're going to do next week. But, um, so when we come back from commercial, we see triple H holding a camera because they're short staff. So I just kind of wish that they showed more of triple H like shooting or I guess what he's shooting at. Cause it seems like they, yeah. they got to it late when he was zooming in and out from Michael Cole's face. But um, I thought that would have been funny. If- yeah, he, he definitely would, had a blast on the show. I thought that was really good. <laughs> Honestly, he's the reason I liked this entire show. He just, like, him with him with the, the camera on Michael Cole reminded me so much of the DX days when he took the camera mm-hmm. and was just berating Michael Cole as he did through this entire show. <laughs> and actually, I, I had heard that Triple H wasn't even supposed to be in this entire show. They, they talked about earlier that he had to leave and they were going to bring other people in. But apparently everybody on social media was just praising Triple H for how great he was doing because he was doing great. Um, he was the best part of the show. So, yeah, I thought I thought him with the camera was great. And uh, I honestly, I would not mind if he was commentating on every Performance Center show. I think that'd be great. I know. I think that adds something to the show, too. Especially yeah, like yeah, him like doing all much better the than Graves, so. <laughs> <laughs> Especially doing all these like little um things here and there like the cam like you know holding a camera or even putting powder in Cole's face. I thought that was funny yeah, that too. Was and funny. Like, that was funny. Yeah. And remember remember that Sharpie too that he had and he was trying to fill yeah, in. He was coloring in his gray beard. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was that was funny too, but I mean Given the pressure to put on a show, um, especially for Triple H, I thought he still, I mean, he looked like he was fine. That, hey, you know what? The show must go on. I'm not bothered by anything. I'm going to make you guys laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I thought that was real nice. But um, 
So we move on to um, the match between uh, King Corbin and uh, Jeff Hardy. And Elias is on commentary, which I guess, um, whatever, fine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love him, but it's like sometimes I'm just like, why do you show up randomly? But yeah, whatever. I guess they're trying to build up something anyway. But um, so before the match started, King Corbin attacked Jeff Hardy and tossed him onto the security wall. And when he brought Jeff Hardy back into the ring, the match finally started. Um, it's kind of back and forth between the two of them until Corbin calls out Elias for being on commentary. And because Elias found it, I guess, offensive in a sense that he got called out, he started playing his music and King Corbin got distracted. And then Jeff Hardy pulls the twist of fury. I guess that's what it's yeah, called now. Not the twist of fate. <laughs> the twist of fury. Twist of fury. Why? When did this happen? <laughs> yeah, just, people just now. Tweeted, people tweeted at Matt Hardy like, "Hey, why did you trademark that? Why didn't you let the WWE use it?" Matt Hardy was like, "What? I would never take my brother's finisher away from him." You know, he my said, only he's welcome to use is that. Well, my only thought is because Jeff Jeff's always done the twist fate, but he'll turn it into a neck breaker instead of mm. like a cutter move. So, but I I mean everybody always still called it the twist of fate. I don't think anybody's ever called it a twist of fury. In uh, in so. Impact, he had the twist of hate, I think, which was like a uh, twist of fate with a stunner, maybe at the end. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Twist of fury does not roll off the tw- tongue like twist twist of fate does. Yeah, and and they've been in WWE for what a, over a decade, and this is the first time Two we were, decades, it was probably. it was very strange to hear Michael Cole just call this twist of fury out of nowhere. Yeah, that no was so. Yeah. But. I had to rewind yeah, it. Yeah, just acting like we're supposed to know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the popular move, the twist of fury. Like, what? It was like a, uh, Michael Cole with his best Excalibur impression. Like he just knew this information that nobody else knows. Japanese deathmatch <laughs> finishing move, the twist of fury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Jeff hit the Swanton Bomb for the win. Luckily, they didn't change the name of the Swanton Bomb. I know. Can you imagine? Like, what what would they call yeah. it instead? The Wonton Bomb. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that I was, was actually the wonton, so I, I, I would like that. Yeah. But um, anyway, we come back from break, and then we see Triple H again. And he does this spiel of even though there's no fans there, the fans were still in their hearts. Ah, that was really nice. <laughs> yep. But then here comes John Cena. And by the way, the for those of you guys listening, I sent Kyle a message and actually told him, can I do SmackDown? Because John Cena was on Friday Night SmackDown. <laughs> and I promised him that, that I'm not going to freak out. Um <laughs> Anyway, Micah, could you scream for me? Because I can't right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, there sorry, you go. I don't want, want to make people's ears bleed twice in a row. In one show. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, here's John Cena. And um, kind of same setup with um, uh, Roman Reigns' interview earlier on the show. And he talks about how Bray Wyatt blames his failure and John Cena, because Cena defeated him at WrestleMania a couple of years a couple of years ago, and that gave birth to the Fiend. Um, John Cena responds that 
you know, Bray Wyatt's biggest enemy is actually Bray Wyatt himself because Bray Wyatt got lazy, he gave up, and ended up blaming John Cena. Pretty much Bray Wyatt not owning up to his own mistakes or failures. And then so Cena listed his setbacks that he overcame and tells everyone that whoever blames him for their own failure, they can give him an attitude adjustment. Oh. <laughs> Better be That's careful. <laughs> but um, so John Cena says that Bray Wyatt is not the future. That's why he actually accepted the challenge from Bray Wyatt. Because if, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, John Cena said that he's not going to be at this year's WrestleMania because he's going to let other superstars shine, do their thing. Because he wants that spot to be earned, not just given. And so, but the reason as to why he took that challenge from Bray Wyatt is because he wants to take Bray Wyatt out of the equation since Bray Wyatt is overhyped and overprivileged. I don't know what you guys think about that. <laughs> uh, it makes no sense because he's like, you know what? I don't want to wrestle WrestleMania this year because I don't want to take a spot from somebody who deserves it. These hardworking guys. I know in this promo he dropped Drew McIntyre's name, who does have a match. Champa, Riddle, Velveteen Dream. Uh, so those are some of the names he's talking about. So he doesn't want to take their spot. And then Bray Wyatt comes out, and like we pointed out, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, that he, you know, just accepted it anyway. And then this week he basically still said, I'm challenging you because I want somebody else to have the spot. And I'm like, but you still took it and you're still both <laughs> in it. So they're definitely not getting the spot now because you two are there. So, yeah. And, and I'm also not a fan of they're, they're trying to play off the fact that they wrestled six years ago and it's, it, it's what caused the fiend. It's what gave Wyatt this downward spiral. And I'm just like, so he continued to wrestle for like six more years after, or five more years at least after Cena left. And he was supposedly lazy the whole time. And then, you know, somehow just like turned to the feet. Like, it makes no sense. It's like mm -hmm. they, they're doing a lot of that for this WrestleMania card. They're forcing these stories out of nowhere because, I mean, on the opposite end, AEW, they, they build, they slow build these stories. Like, I mean, John Cena and Jericho, the story was very organic because they were both winning and we knew their paths were going to cross. And it, so that story became about naturally. And then they had some conflicts in between that led to Moxley and his eye situation, the whole, he didn't want to join the inner circle and the car thing. So there were a lot of things in there that led to the main event match for the title. Whereas here, Wyatt just showed up, pointed the WrestleMania sign, Cena got mad. Now they're fighting and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, we wrestled six years ago and that's why we're doing this. So, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Long-term booking. Yeah. and But mm -hmm. they're trying to play it off like this was six years in the making. And it's like, it clearly wasn't. So No, they just didn't want him to have the title for WrestleMania. It's very forced, very unorganic. Just not. I mean, Cena cut a great promo. And even Wyatt came out. And uh, Rainey talks, you know, tells more about it too. But, I mean, even both of them, they did their best. And I thought they did a you know good job delivering the promo. I'm just not buying in the program. So, but uh, Rain, tell us more about what Wyatt had to say when he came out. 
Yeah, so uh, when he finally came out and interrupts John Cena, he joins him in the ring, which I thought, oh my God, are they going to actually get at it? But This is Bray Wyatt, so he's in sweater and khakis, not in the, <laughs> yeah. uh, not the Fiend. It's Mr. Wyatt, not the Fiend. Yes. Yep, it's Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend. So he claims that John Cena only cares about himself and not the future. So this was a counter to John Cena claiming about, oh, I care about the future, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And so he tells John Cena that he broke him and the Fiend actually put him back together. Right. And that at WrestleMania, it will be a, it will be a slaughter. And I don't know how. It's just, it's just like, like you guys said, it feels so forced. So I don't know how. I'm not really excited for this match, even though I love John Cena. We go, we go way back. We're tight. Um, But, (laughs) but anyway, no, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not excited about this this match at all. I'll be honest with you. I, I loved the theme when they came out with him. And I didn't think they should have gave him the title, and now they've taken the title away, and I no longer care about the fiend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've done a like forty seconds, so I don't yeah, care about him anymore. They've done a not good job with the fiend since they debuted him, and it's not Bray Wyatt's fault. That's what. No, it's not know, his fault. I, he's done a great job with what he's given. Yeah, and even and, this promo, this was a fantastic promo. He did a great job. This was this was a perfect example of what you need to do with no crowd. It was a very well-executed promo from him and John Cena, but like you guys said, I don't like the way the I don't like the feud. I don't like the way the characters are going. I just don't like the overarching story here. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, just, yeah. I just thought it yeah. ended. Well, it ended good in a sense when um, he told John Cena to let him in, and then the show ended with you know the clip of the fiend just laughing, and then we. Go to black. That's it. That's Friday the thirteenth. Smackdown. <laughs> yep, it was definitely odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I agree. Yeah, and speaking of odd, we we just had this is the first shot they had at the performance center. Uh, like we said, I was expecting something like maybe a little. They had a little bit of zany stuff in there with like Triple H being on commentary, and some of them had fun, like a. Uh, I thought, you know, the uh, Oscar coming out, she was definitely having fun, and she continued to have fun, as we'll talk about on Raw. And so, I mean, some people had fun with this, but it was still kind of an awkward show. And obviously, they had the Elimination Chamber chunked in there in the middle. So, yeah, it could have been better. It, it, like, I don't know. Like, I was just expecting more fun, and it just it was just weird. It, really? It wasn't I, fun. I would say I enjoyed this show. Um, probably more than I've enjoyed a SmackDown in a while, really. I thought it was fun. Mainly, I just really liked the Triple H stuff. Um, <laughs> I yeah, thought with what they were giving. And not only that, this was the least prepared they've probably been for a show in many years. Because I, they really probably only had a couple days to get this thing together. Um, and they still managed to put on some decent matches and some convincing promos. So I think all things considered, I think this is a pretty good show, personally. Yeah, I'm on no. the same boat with you because I, I'm actually giving this a, an A minus. Okay. Um, just because I think for um, for the amount of of time that they had, they were still able to, bit of a good show. Um, although I 
was hoping that they could have figured out a way to not uh, run the uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Elimination Chamber match because I feel like they could have filled that time by giving the spotlight to other wrestlers to have a match. Um, like what we talked about earlier, you know, a possible tag team match between Gulak, Brian versus Cesaro and uh, Nakamura. Um, because or there's a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Give it to some NXT guys. I mean, there's they're all there in Florida already. They, I mean, they work at the Performance Center every day. And, I mean, I know that they're trying to, you know, take everybody's health into consideration, and that's great. I'm assuming they are. But, I mean, if I was at the Performance Center and I was looking for a break and I was on NXT every week or something, and they were like, hey, we need somebody to do, like, fill a match in or, you know, to, I would jump at the chance. I'd be like, you know, hey, man. I know this is risky for my health and whatever, but I'm going to do it. Like, this is my shot. Like I, I'm going to be on Fox on national TV. Like let's do it. Like mm-hmm. so many people would go for that spot. Like they could definitely do something better than what they did, but I guess they felt like they needed to, you know, I'm assuming they thought that this show was not going to get ratings because it was empty arena. It's not, you know, the live crowd or something. They want to give people a treat for tuning in. And so they mm-hmm. thought this elimination chamber match would do that. That's what I'm guessing, mm-hmm. but who knows? Yeah, that um, could be it too. Uh, um, but yeah, I also like the that Triple H address the whole WWE universe at the beginning of the show and towards the end. I thought that kind of added to the human element of you know the show as to why it's like that and as to why they still try to produce a show for for everyone. Yeah. So, so Raw this week. <laughs> Also emanating from the Performance Center. Uh, also a weird show and probably a little bit weirder than SmackDown. Uh, at least SmackDown had wrestling on it. They attempted to have some wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I will get through the show pretty quickly because there was one match on the show. And it wasn't even that long. And it's not even just one match. It's one that we've seen like a hundred times. But we'll get into that. Basically, the show kicked off with Tom Phillips, Byron Saxon, Jerry Lawler. They all played Triple H this week by standing in the ring to welcome us all to the show. They basically plugged Stone Cold, uh, his appearance later on the show, because as we said, this was 316 day. Uh, they, they put a lot of advertisement into this. I mentioned that like a million times. Yeah, I mean, there are ads everywhere. Please don't tune out before the end of the show. Right, so they, they put a lot into the Stone Cold 316 day. So they were going to have him on the show. Uh, they also plugged the contract signing for Taker and AJ for their match later in the uh, for at WrestleMania. But uh, Edge actually interrupts the uh, the guys announcing. So he comes comes in, says it's been a strange few months for him and Beth. They showed a video of you know the conversation between Beth and Orton, and uh, you know all the horrible things that happened there. Uh, and then Edge spoke about uh, his and Orton, his and Orton's history together. Talked about his dad, Bob Orton, introducing them. Uh, you know, when they were first breaking in, their you know their shared connection to Mick Foley. Edge talked about the lesson that he learned from Mick Foley was grit, but uh, Orton Ed didn't learn that lesson. Uh, I thought he was going to say he learned something about flaming tables, but he didn't. <laughs> Edge then said uh, Orton was one of the best to ever do it, but he had everything handed to him said that it just bothered Orton, that he was jealous, that Edge had to work for everything and managed to accomplish all of his dreams. Even credited his uh, late mother, who broke her back to help him. I mean, a very passionate promo from Edge. Um, he revealed that Beth was actually on Raw last week 
to announce his retirement, um, basically saying that she didn't want Edge to have to do it himself again. So that's why she was there. But said that Orton uh, basically pulled a Kanye West and didn't let her finish. Uh, Edge <laughs> said he pulled Orton out of the hole many years ago, and now he's doing the same for him uh, as an Orton pulling Edge out of the hole. And then he challenges him to a last man standing match, as he yelled. <laughs> he was very somber, and they just yelled match, which scared me a little bit. And this, uh, yeah, he challenged him to a last man standing match at WrestleMania. So right there in the Performance Center in a couple weeks. Uh, so Edge said that Orton, he, uh, he said Orton wishes he could write the story, but he's not going to write it. He, that Edge is going to write it said it wouldn't be a tragedy, but a story of redemption, and that Orton would not be able to stand after WrestleMania. So I thought it was a good promo by Edge. Uh, I mean, very, uh, very into it, in the character. Like I said, very passionate. Uh, I love that close-up shot, too, on his face. Just oh, makes yeah, it the, more so the, dramatic. Yeah. The entire time, he's just in the camera's face, very, very personal, so... Great promo by Edge. He's, he's good at what he does. So uh, do, did what he needed to do. So uh, this is probably the one WrestleMania match I would say has been a good build. The story makes sense. Like they obviously do have a history. And, I mean, there's stuff, might be stuff that we don't even know about. I, mean, there's, I wish they would reveal some of it, uh, you know, if they do have some stuff. But I, I'm on board with this match. I, I think that they could put on a good match. And obviously a last minute standing match at the Performance Center. Could be really entertaining. So I'm, uh, the one WrestleMania match I'm probably looking forward to the most. Um, but yeah, Edge cut a great promo here. Uh, but after his promo, I think that I think that Randy Orton needs to come out with Lita. <laughs> that would be a swerve. <laughs> or come out with Matt Hardy. Well, he's going to be signed to an AEW contract soon. So yeah, I, he, right now he's a free agent, so there's still time. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Is. <laughs> So uh, after this, we had Becky Lynch showing up to the building in a personalized truck with her face and logo on it. And then, much like we had the Elimination Chamber match, but to a much greater extent, we had the entire Men's Royal Rumble that played with commercial breaks for an hour and 30 minutes long of this three-hour show. Now, I will say... I was a little concerned because I was like, how, like, cause I watched SmackDown and I know they did the elimination chamber match, but it was about 30 minutes of the show of the two hour show. So I thought, what are they going to do for three hours of raw? And this was their answer. They're like, half of it is going to be a rerun. So they just reran the Royal rumble. So that happened. Uh, obviously drew McIntyre winning that match. So I guess that's his plug for the week since he wasn't on the show. So, after they replay the entire Royal Rumble, Phillips comes and announces that WrestleMania will take place at the Performance Center and will be available on pay-per-view and on the WWE Network. Then we have the AJ Styles Undertaker contract signing. And we started with Jerry Lawler in the ring. He introduced Taker, and uh, though Taker's music played, this wasn't his normal entrance. He marched down to the ring, Lawler bailed, Taker flipped the table over that was in the ring, the normal contract signing table, and he was like pacing back and forth and angry. He had the bandana on his head. He was not the dead man Taker here. He was 
something else. He was mean Mark, I guess. Mark Kelly. You don't always get a yeah. pillow about that. Because it's like, if you don't have a lot of content, why wouldn't you let The Undertaker take forever to do his work? <laughs> he can have right? an 11-minute entrance, as we all know. He could have taken up half the Royal Rumble spot with his entrance. That is true. Uh, so this is the weirdest thing I've seen in wrestling in, in my entire life. What was this entrance even? So he comes in, he like he like does some like jazzercise swift walking to the ring. <laughs> got a do-rag on with a braid, and he's wearing like Kylo Ren pants that come up past his nip like almost to his nipples. It's weird. I didn't like it. I would have preferred biker taker, but not only that, he comes in, he flips the table, he like pushes the chair around, and then we go to an Arby's commercial. Yeah. <laughs> or Shaker commercial or whatever it was. It maybe was he's like, maybe he's got the meat sweats from all of that Arby's. Um, yeah. Maybe he's not him when he's hungry. He's he's a Snickers. I don't know. I didn't like it. Um obviously people have been guessing for a long time that Undertaker's gonna come back at WrestleMania as the biker taker one last time. Uh so this obviously fed into that, but just just, do, just have him come out in jeans and a bandana like he used to. Or good lord, give him a Harley to ride around the ring in the performance center. But what is, what was he wearing? Why was he wearing a do rag? Well, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, to make yeah. things even weirder, after we get back from the Arby's commercial, Phillips says the taker is mad because there's no actual contract to be signed. And he says, it's another example of how personal things have become between taker and AJ. I was like, um, it's not how this works. They <laughs> just okay. walk out. There's not a piece of paper on the table and yeah. get upset. What? What is this? No paper. And just flip the table. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, not to mention Taker's beaten AJ clean like twice, basically, uh, once in Saudi Arabia and then assisting Alistair Black. So, yeah, I don't get this feud. They actually show a video package highlighting the feud, um, if you want to call it that. I even have in my notes feud in quotation marks. Uh, so then AJ's music hits, but of course he doesn't come out. He's in the back with the OC, and they basically talked about they were in the performance center where prospects comes in uh, hopes of being the next Undertaker, but he was quick to note that he and the OC, they didn't come through here because they went straight to the top. He then called, uh, he said, Mark has been carrying WWE for years, so he's calling him Mark now. So now Mark's in the ring, mean Mark, with his uh, bandana on and everything. He's not Undertaker anymore. He says he's over the hill, compares him to Peyton Manning and Brett Favre, but says they never come back and insert themselves into the Super Bowl each year. So why are you doing it? And then he continues to pay, place the blame on Taker's wife, Michelle McCool. I'm guessing because she spoke up angrily in his defense on uh, Twitter a while back. So now WWE's got to bring her into this. But I will say, as soon as he mentioned her name, uh, Taker looked really pissed. <laughs> so he stopped his pacing and just stared angrily at Styles. I was like, oh man, he's dead. So uh, AJ, not Taker. <laughs> so you know, Styles then said, uh, what was that ring? Yeah. So when um, AJ Styles talk about Michelle McCool, like what's up with this whole blaming game lately? Like why is it that a lot of well, I say a lot, no. Why is it that lately there's this whole thing about blaming every wrestler's wife? Like AJ Styles blaming Michelle McCool or Randy Orton blaming Beth Phoenix? Because they're grasping at straws. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very similar to the John Cena Bray Wyatt story, to the Goldberg Roman Reigns story. For many of these stories, going to WrestleMania, they're just now putting them together, and they've got to come up with some reason for people to try and care about these matches. But like I said, they're 
this is just another one that's thrown together. It feels like it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, even they've even tried to do like Taker, inter, you know, intervening in Styles matches, but he just beats him right away. So it's like, okay, well, what's the point? Like, it's not like Taker came out and, you know, caused him to lose, which makes AJ mad. Like he just, he came out and beat him on the Saudi Arabia show. So it's like, so he beat him with a choke slam. What's going to make it different at WrestleMania? So yeah, it uh, doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, yeah, they're, so he blames Taker's wife. Taker gets mad. Uh, AJ then says that Taker won't be able to hide and definitely won't be able to run at WrestleMania. He offers to pay for his assisted living so he can finally rest in peace and he does the Taker throat slash. Uh, so AJ grabs the contract that he has. He signs it, sends it, uh, basically tells Allison Ganderson, Gallows and Anderson to take it to the ring. Um, says to go deliver the contract to Taker. And uh, they kind of decline and then bicker back and forth for a minute. Uh, but then they finally talk him into doing it. They go to the ring, drop the contract off. And me and Mark, who's standing in the ring, they try to humanize the guy by talking about his wife, calling him by his real name. His dong sound goes off. The lights go out. And he teleports behind the OC and then beats them up. So it's like, what are they doing? Uh, and meanwhile, AJ... They keep cutting to him in the back. Like he's just like, they just like cut to the back and he like flips his hair and just has an angry gritting his teeth look, which was hilarious, but just goofy. And, uh, Taker basically just signs a contract then stuffs it in Gallo's mouth and him and AJ have a stare down through the TV screen. Just a very odd contract signing altogether. Um, yeah, just very strange. So after the strange contract signing, we have to see a clip of Austin riding the Zamboni down the ring to attack McMahon uh, in 1998. So just another hype for 316 day. Then we have the one match of the night, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade in a non-title match with Oscar coming down to do commentary. And uh, now we have four people at the desk. They, uh, they wrestled for one minute and immediately went to a commercial break. And then... They basically just had a Rey Mysterio Andrade match, except Asuka <laughs> the entire time was just like flipping out. Uh, like it was so goofy, but I loved every second of it. Rain, obviously, you're the uh, probably the biggest Asuka fan in the room. Like, <laughs> what did you think of this? I mean, she did the goofy dance in SmackDown, and she was obviously having fun there, but man, she like was just out here having a blast. Yeah, I thought and, she had uh, it time so her life like doing this commentary thing. Um, it, I like the fact that even though we couldn't understand Japanese, like whatever she's saying, Jerry Lawler was actually somehow translating it because <laughs> it. I think it would have been more awkward if you know no one's like acknowledging what Oscar's saying. But I love how Jerry's like, oh yeah, like she said blah blah blah, and she said this, and I was like, oh that that's actually funny. Um, it's just not only was she speaking Japanese though, she was like grunting and making all kinds of guttural noises. Like Rey Mysterio would go do a flip and she just, just just making noises. (laughs) It was so hilarious. I I joke with Matthew and Kyle that Asuka was the crowd noise for this week. She definitely was. Uh, so basically they, they had a good, you know, decent six minute match. And then Rey Mysterio just won after hitting a 619 in a big splash. So he gets a win over Andrade here. Um, Asuka was very displeased with this result 
as you know, if you're watching, you could obviously tell. And uh, yeah, it was a fine match. I mean, they've had it a hundred times, but Oscar definitely was a good addition to this. Uh, so I loved it. Um, and then we had a Becky Lynch promo. She she comes out there to talk about Shayna Baszler. And though this match has had a little bit longer in the build, you could say going back to Royal Rumble, but I mean, Shayna didn't win. So I guess she had the bite after that. But uh, yeah, they it's another... Lynch tried to kind of say, you know, make up a story here that Baszler, you know, saw her at WrestleMania, you know, beating her friend. She's been out here taking on the world and that she's jealous and all this stuff. But I just, I just didn't find it that believable. So just another kind of rush feeling match. So, uh, yeah, when, when, uh, nothing to uh, ride home about. And uh, Shayna was in the back watching on a TV screen and she was mad. Uh, and we mm-hmm. got another Austin clip, the good one of him, and uh, in the hospital with Vince in 1998. Uh, and then we had Owens in the back with Charlie as well. He cut a promo on Seth Rollins setting up their uh, match going to be at WrestleMania. They're finally going to come to blows and you know pay the storyline off that's been going on forever. Uh, he basically talked about how he's going to have the home field advantage in the PC because that's where he, you know, uh, cut his teeth and. Uh, you know, grinded in WWE before he made it up to the main roster, even though Seth did the same thing, but whatever. I guess technically he wasn't in the performance center forever, but uh, yeah, kind of, I mean, they've had a program forever, but not that interesting. So uh, it was basically Owens cutting a promo to Rollins. No response from Rollins, obviously. Uh, We got another package showing Austin winning the belt WWE championship against Shawn Michaels in 1998. And then we got a teaser for Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton are all going to be on Raw next week. So that'll be interesting. And then the final segment, the big segment we've all been waiting for, for 316 Day, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I, before I saw this, I saw Micah on uh, our group chat said, this is the first time I've ever seen Stone Cold cut a bad promo. And I will say... This is not Austin's fault. It's not like he went out there and stuttered or like screwed up his words or anything and was like nervous. It's Stone Cold. He came out Mm -hmm. and did his thing. But it seemed like to me they probably had something bigger planned for the big arena that he was supposed to be in originally. They've been hyping this ever for months and had all these giant ads that they put out for him. So they had to have him on the show. So I think they just wrote something for him. He was like, sure, I'll do it. Uh, and that's what happened. So basically, he just marched down to the ring. He, he, he kicked back a beer. He, you know, had two beers thrown uh, at him. You know, he's having a beer bash, basically down two beers before falling the mat, just going crazy. He joked that he blew himself up on his entrance. And then he declared March 16th, a national holiday. He asked for the crowd for a hell yeah. Obviously, there was, was not one. <laughs> so, and they, they even cut to the crowd of empty chairs. So that uh, was actually kind of funny, I thought. But uh, he then uh, asked for another hell yeah, to which Byron Saxton stood up and just freaked out and just yelled, oh, hell yeah. And Austin was kind of annoyed for a minute, but then kind of, was like, kind of thanked him. He's like, all right, sure. <laughs> so Austin began running down all the aspects of 316 Day, uh, it was basically note cards he was reading. I guess there were jokes. Somebody tried to write for him. I don't know if this is supposed to be like a 
parody of like David Letterman's top 10 or something where they just go down a list of stuff. But he, he read off a bunch of stuff like uh, things to remember. You greet people with one finger hand gesture, the speed limits only suggestion, happy hours, 24 hours. Uh, your boss works for you. Uh, you can have a beer instead of your morning coffee. Four letter words are always acceptable. And, you know, just stuff like that. So he just ran down a list. And then Saxon was grading each one with a scorecard. It was strange. It didn't really go over. I mean, there was not a crowd, but it was just strange. It's the best way I could put it. Like, it's, you have to see it for yourself to really understand it. <laughs> and then, obviously, to end the segment, Austin, because Saxon was such a great sport, invites him down to the ring. He, uh, Saxon's obviously like a child. He's all giddy. He gets in the ring. Austin, you know, gets thrown a beer. He gives one to Saxon. He talks about his, his awesome pink or his suit with his salmon tie, his red socks. He hands Saxon a beer. Then, uh, they cheer each other with the beer. He calls Saxon a jackass and then gives him a stunner for his troubles, kills him. And then, uh, he's having a beer bash. Becky Lynch comes out with a cooler. They clink beers together. It's Austin does point out, hey, last time we did this, you gave me a stunner. and uh, But Becky says, no, no, this time we're good. So they had a beer bash together and uh, basically dumped a beer out on Saxton, gave him another stunner, and that's how he ended the show. They also did have a little bit extra on their YouTube channel, which had uh, the, uh, what's their name, Street Profits come out, almost a private party, because they're basically the same tag team. Uh, so... Street Profits came out and they actually did some stunners on them and had a little bit more of a beer bash. So if you want to go watch that, go check it out. Just a very strange episode of Raw. Three hours, obviously, with half of it being the Royal Rumble. So I don't even know if you can really grade it. Uh, Matt gave it an F minus, if you want to know. Yeah, I, um, I can. F-. <laughs> it was just like there was one match, everything else was promos. Half of it was the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's. If you don't turn in a test, you fail the test. So, sure, I'll give it an F this week just because it wasn't even really a normal Raw at all. Like, at least SmackDown tried. They didn't even really try here. So, I don't know, Rain, what did you think of the show? Um, I did like the fact that they promoted um, 316 all throughout the show. I mean, they had, like, a logo right next to the USA logo. During the Royal Rumble uh, rerun, they had a crawler that says, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin will be here live tonight, blah, blah, blah. And then they kept uh, running promos or old videos of uh, Steve Austin. I thought that was really nice, given that, you know, a lot of fans would probably want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin live, given that it's, you know, 316 on a Monday. Um, so I, I give them, you know, uh, an A, I guess, for, for the promo effort for Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. But the rest of the show, yeah, A for effort. Right? But for the rest of the show, yeah, I I don't know. I figured they could have utilized other superstars who would just be, like, in the back, like, watching. You know, yeah. like, like, I saw Shayna Be- uh, Baszler just watching Becky Lynch do her thing in the ring. Like, why couldn't we have Asuka versus Baszler? Yeah, you know, because both of them were there, um, or Kevin or Owens kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to show how you know yeah. how dangerous uh, Shayna Baszler could be. Um, 
But um, I, what do you guys think about uh, Becky Lynch uh, showing up towards the end and joining Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, I mean, I thought it was fine. She, they did it, you know, the last time Stone Cold was on. And obviously she's the star of Monday Night Raw right now. So, I mean, I thought I was appropriate. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they're trying to shove her down my throat too much. I mean, obviously I, they are. <laughs> but She came in with a freaking big rig with her face on it. And I think she's being a bit extra, if I were to say to myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. They're, like, they're, I they're pushing her for sure. The whole truck thing was kind of like, I guess, like a statement. Um, I Whose guess truck is that, by the way? It has to be a real person's truck. Somebody painted that truck. It's got her logo on it. <laughs> no, there's some truck driver somewhere that's really into Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah, it might be it. Probably, yeah. And, and they found fan, Leonard the truck. But um, I thought it was kind of like, I guess, in a sense, they're trying to show off Becky Lynch as like the female version of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because uh, if you look at the promos that they that they ran with um, Stone Cold Steve Austin from the past, I mean, there are a lot of them with him coming in with a truck. And I think yeah. that's why they made sure that Becky would somehow come in in a big way. Money yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're definitely. I don't think she's exactly obviously like Stone Cold, but she's she's their star. So they're, they're trying to, you know, they're they're putting her there with the big the other you know, big star of the you know the the past, which is like what they like to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it's appropriate. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was just a weird show. Same with SmackDown. I'm hoping, you know, after they kind of have this test of shows, I was actually hoping they would learn from SmackDown and apply it to Raw, but I don't know, maybe give them a full week and we'll see what they actually do. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens on SmackDown. Obviously, they're holding WrestleMania at the Performance Center. So is WrestleMania going to be that weird? We'll see. It's it's yeah, all it's, it's a strange time we're living in right now because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, everything's closed. We're all at home and the performance center is empty. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting, but strange next couple weeks for wrestling for sure. Next couple months, maybe. And they have actually announced that NXT will have no live matches this week. It's all going to be pre-recorded. Oh, okay. So I guess they're not flying NXT down to uh, the performance center this week. And, and I agree. Yeah. I, I think they'd totally do that for like raw and SmackDown WrestleMania. I mean, I think they, they obviously like to have the live show, but, man like in these times and with you know people's schedules like especially since it's at the performance center it's in a controlled environment have somebody fly in on wednesday or something and film a match and then have somebody fly in on a thursday like you also don't have to worry about cross contaminating the entire roster exactly so do it in in chunks and you know build a library of matches and put a show together like game plan this thing out do some actual long-term planning and i mean record wrestlemania it's not like there's going to be a crowd to give out spoilers. I mean, I'm sure spoilers will get out somehow, but who cares? Like it doesn't usually change the ratings much. So just go for it. Uh, just record it. That's what I say, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, a very interesting week. We'll see how AEW does this week. Uh, Dynamite's going to be on tomorrow. So we'll wait and see what that does. And again, Raw and SmackDown this week. We'll see how they change or improve things. But guys, that has been another episode of Russell life radio. Much thanks again to Rain for being on the show because you're out in California, right, Rain? Yes. Yeah, so you're in the thick of it. Uh, so it's definitely stay safe out there. Um, 
I, I know it's kind of crazy out towards you guys, but it's, you know, getting crazy other places too. But I definitely, you know, have you in our thoughts because it's, it's a madhouse. But where can we find your social media, Rain? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at WWE What If and on Twitter at WWE underscore What If. And my YouTube page is YouTube.com slash WWE What If. Man, look awesome. at the branding. That is good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish Matt was as on the ball as you are. We're all over the place. Yeah, well, definitely go check out Rain stuff. She's got a lot of good content on, on YouTube and Instagram and give her a follow. Uh, and as far as follow, follow us on on Instagram at uh, Russell Life Radio as well on Facebook at Russell Life Radio. Russell Life Pod on Twitter. Micah, you can't follow him anywhere because he's a uh, recluse, I guess. He's uh, I'm quarantining myself. He's quarantining himself <laughs> from social media. You can find me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can find Matt on Instagram and Twitter, I believe, at Russell Life Matt. Uh, shoot us messages on Facebook. Uh, if you guys have any questions or anything, we'll definitely take them. We'll, I mean, we're having some good discussions on our posts, so keep that up, guys. We appreciate the love. And everybody stay safe, stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. And don't forget, wash these hands. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>